1: Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Good
0: morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. And welcome to the Politics Guys with your hosts, Gabe Parson and Michael Daranowski.
1: Welcome to the Politics Guys. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. My co-host this week, as always, is Cleveland area attorney and sometime Republican strategist, Jay Carson. Here's our Ask the Politics Guys question for this week, Jay. Okay. It comes from Emily in Lip, which is just outside of London, England.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: so interna- that's, our that's, international that's audience. That's pretty
0: cool. That's a, a testament to the the global reach of, uh, of our program.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So here's what Emily has to say. Dear Politics Guys, in what respect do you think that the two main parties still share any similarities? And do you agree that the academic consensus that the Republicans moving to the right was the main impetus for Democrats moving to the left? Or was it something else that caused this polarization? So what yeah. do you think, Jal? You take a first crack at this one.
0: I, I would say, first of all, uh, that that the parties I think do agree on on a great deal of things. Uh, you just tend not to hear about it that much. Um, I, I think there's there's a general agreement, and again, I'll frame my answer a little bit differently because this is a question coming from the UK. Um, that that both parties I think are are committed and pretty much locked into some variation of a regulatory slash welfare state. Um, now again some Republicans may bristle at that and say oh we sure, don't want that. But, sure will, yeah. but 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 look uh no one has ever seriously uh, uh proposed getting rid of social security or or medicare uh or medicaid uh no one seriously proposes that uh, we ought to get rid of the EPA uh there's certainly arguments to be made and and I'd be one of the first to make them uh that the that, that there's you know regulatory overreach uh, there 's more regulation than we need. Uh, people ought to be uh, more independent and less dependent on government programs um, but I, I think there's there 's a general consensus that that uh, those safety nets and those regulatory uh, that regulatory oversight ought to exist
1: um, which again which a, is not to say that there aren 't elements of the Republican party who are you know who who would call for a much Almost a repeal of certain elements of that, but you're right in terms of in terms of uh, discourse and what we consider the non lunatic fringes of both sides, there is certainly a, a broad consensus on that sort of thing. So you're saying and, there are essentially and arguing and on the at the Democrat margins. side,
0: it's, it's it's the same thing. I mean, if you recall, um, you know, in 2008, uh, after winning the presidential election, having majorities in both houses, uh, Obama still couldn't pass a single payer health care plan. Right. Um, so I, I think there's there's a recognition on the Democrat side too that uh, they're not it's not going to be a, a you know should I say socialist uh, type government uh, in terms of welfare state but it's, right. it's limited there's going to be protections uh, but even the Democrats are, are hesitant to give government complete control uh, uh, yeah. over over things so
1: yeah and and but now now that being said. Uh, that being said there's no question that, that there's a lot more polarization now at any point since well since around the aftermath of the civil war you know so uh, there's i mean by almost any any review any cons- or sorry any consensus any uh, academic study i've seen Pretty much every measure has the most liberal Republican in Congress being more conservative than the most conservative Democrat in overall, overall measures. And that's something that is, you know, that uh, something that we hadn't seen in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, really. Um, in fact, if you take a look oh, back. I think you saw in
0: the 60s. Well, I, I think, Now, in the 60s, I, I think what happened was there was a, a big cohort, that being baby boomers, who were very much to the left of the democratic party and the party eventually migrated over there. Um, So I I guess maybe you're right in terms of, if you want to say, uh, between the parties, it wasn't that significant. Uh, yeah, yeah, if, you, if, you,
1: if you take a look at uh, at sort of voting records and analyses in, in Congress, what you see is that since the start of our current two-party system in the aftermath in the Civil War period, we've seen basically kind of a U-shaped curve of polarization. So we have this huge spike during the Civil War and Reconstruction, and then followed by a low point in polarization, or some people would say that call that a high point, in the 1930s through the 1950s. And then we see a noticeable rise starting really in the 1970s and seriously picking up in the 1990s. So, you know, there definitely, are, there definitely is a lot more distance between the parties. And I think there are some really good reasons for that. Uh, and I think maybe more than anything else, what I, what I think is one of the primary reasons for that is competition. OK. Uh, and and let me let me explain. Uh, prior to 1994, uh, 1994 was a big year for congressional Republicans because they took control of the House. But prior to that, for the last 40 years, the Democrats had held the House and they'd held the Senate right. for 34 of the last 40 years. And so when you have that kind of disparity, uh, it's not you just don't have you know, you don't have a lot of competition. And so there's not a lot of distinction to make if you want anything to happen you kind of have to go along to get along which is what drove someone like newt gingrich crazy because he said you know we have this accommodationist quizzling sort of minority party my party they're not pushing for anything doing anything and that that drove them nuts and so to me it's kind of like uh it's kind of like for instance uh in in american football there's not much of a rivalry between the new england patriots and the buffalo bills you know, exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. but but there's a huge rivalry between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals because, you know, they're they're, they're pretty close in terms of talent or, you know, I, I actually I actually figured out a, a, a UK football analogy since it's an inter- international question. Right. So in the Premier okay, League, wow. I know I, I, I go that extra mile for our international listeners in the Premier League, I'm betting that things are a lot nastier between Manchester United and Arsenal than they are between Manchester United and Newcastle. Because okay. Newcastle— stinks, I'll, I'll take your words for that, yeah I, they they're, I have no, they're idea no, no good what they're talking about, but yeah, but <laughs> but that's the thing and you know a lot of people say all oh, this polarization is awful, and I think, well, it's kind of a natural state when you have two parties, each party has a legitimate chance of taking over control of government of course, things are going to get nastier. Of course, you're going, to, you're going to see a lot more differences come out because you're going to see a lot more money flooding into the system. You're going to start to see, you know, the stakes are just a lot higher. And so to me, it's kind of a natural thing. And I think a lot of folks worry too much about this. And it's, in a sense, healthy competition is, I would argue, a good thing. And I think sometimes we don't appreciate that gridlock, actually, at least a certain amount of gridlock, isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world, actually.
0: Yeah, well you you're sounding like me there and I would say I agree with most of that that 94 was a a game changing year uh for a couple reasons um and the first being that yes, Republicans were competitive all of a sudden. <clears throat> Another little little bit of the difference uh in 94 was uh that was one of the first congressional elections at least in in my memory where one party really nationalized the congressional election. Absolutely. Uh, it wasn't just a, a number of, of people. Running. There was a, a, a coherent platform, uh, whether you liked it or not, uh, that was preached in, a, in a, the, sort of the same message uh, throughout uh, the Republican uh, campaigns with, with variations here and there. But it, it, it nationalized it and made it more ideological than just uh, vote for this guy. He's a nice guy in the community and well-known. And It, it, it became more ideological than candidate-driven. Right. Um, the other piece – uh, is, I think- Before you get
1: to that other piece, I want to point out, and that makes perfect sense, because let's say you're a wealthy Republican donor from, I don't know, California or something like that. That pr- prior to to this period, when there really wasn't a chance of the Republicans taking over the, you know, taking over the House. There'd be no reason for you to give money for a race in, say, Massachusetts or something like that. But all of a sudden, when control hangs in the balance, then the party can make a pitch to you saying that, hey, this really matters and your money can make the difference between our guy being the speaker or our guy being the minority leader. And that's a huge difference. Yes. So anyway, I'm sorry, I wanted to point that out. The other point
0: point would be, uh, and this is something that, that sort of, Grew into the the nineteen nineties situation is, you know, the way we draw our congressional districts, um, it's it's rather arbitrary. It's it's you know I hate to use the term gerrymandered. That sort of
1: no because
0: negative it. connotation. But but look the the way this works in just about every state is that uh, the party in control gets to draw the districts. And Republicans had picked up numerous uh, uh, state victories and and uh, state house victories throughout the late 80s and into the early 90s and after the 1990 census were able to redraw some of these districts uh, and that made a, uh, a big difference um, that and along with the uh, the data collection ability that we have uh, the computer technology that we have and had in, in the early 1990s um, you could draw these districts with with such precision uh, that it, it lessened on the one hand you can say it, it increased the competition nationally, but it lessened the competition
1: locally. I'll differ with you a little bit on that. I certainly think that's part of the picture, though a lot of the uh, analyses from uh, political scientists that I've seen suggest that gerrymandering is actually a little bit less of a factor than the media makes it out to be, though certainly not insignificant. I, I would argue that the thing that's well, you often... You finish, but go ahead. Okay, I, I would say that the thing that may be a little bit uh, underappreciated is how Americans, being more mobile, tend to self-sort a, a lot more, and so I think that's a little bigger part of the picture. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead.
0: Oh no, no, I, and, and I'm, I'm completely on board with the, the self-sorting. That's that's a that's a, a huge, and I would recommend to folks to read uh, Charles Murray's uh, book uh, Falling Apart. Um, falling apart, coming apart.
1: Yeah, uh, um, it's the one about uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm blanking but again. Yeah. It's again, it's not
0: all about that, but but that is sort of the idea that that we have sort of self sorted in the communities, and and that makes those communities more easy to to, to gerrymander. Um, now, the reason that that breeds, I think, greater um, acrimony, let's say, or or greater ideological difference, uh, is the candidates who run in those those safe districts. I mean, they're districts where. No one but a Republican is ever going to be elected. Yep. That's just the nature of it. That's just the demographics of it. Uh, now, I, again, I suppose you could have, you know, a district where you've got a Republican candidate who runs into some horrific scandal and Democrat gets elected. But barring that, you know, in, in any given congressional election. Um, there's only about 10 percent maybe of the, yeah. the seats that are really competitive. Yeah. And once you're in, um,
1: you're in the reelection rates are somewhere around uh, uh, somewhere around 90 percent or so for the House, a little bit lower for the Senate. And some people would say, well, that kind of makes sense because you can – you can gerrymander districts or people can self-sort in the district to make them a lot, a a lot more similar ideologically. Whereas you can't really gerrymander a state, obviously.
0: Exactly. Well, but I'll get to that too. Um, (laughs) So what, what happens then is in those safe districts, the big competition is in the primary of who gets to, to essentially be the person to to seize that state safe district. And it happens in both parties of, uh, Each each uh, candidate in a primary trying to uh, be more ideological, more to the right or the left, depending on the district, uh, than his opponent or her opponent, Uh, and and that's that's why you get uh, more ideological folks uh, going to Congress, uh, or it happens the same in in state house districts too. Yeah, and I think that you say that it it doesn't matter so much uh, at the statewide because you can't gerrymander a state. Uh, That's true. But when you look at the the farm team of people who then run for a state elected office, uh, what you're getting are the people who have won those other primaries.
1: Right. Right. So
0: the, the pool essentially the pool that you're fishing from uh, becomes more uh, conservative or liberal um, mm-hmm. based on on sort of who who's getting elected to those lower positions because that's who's going to move up. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. not. I mean, I I and I don't have any actual
1: data uh <laughs> no well, you facts know
0: facts to support that um <laughs> you know, I could, as, as long as you support, can tell a good story, the, story that's
1: all that matters come on but, yeah. it's,
0: but it, it's a good story no I, I think it makes sense and and i'll, I'll count on, on you the political scientist to, to actually find some some facts that support that but uh you no, know I, I think you know good. look you get it that's why, why you get a ted cruz coming out of uh yeah. Uh, Texas. So and that's kind
1: of yeah. a concern that the Democrats have, even though that they tend to do really well in presidential elections, and they're obviously going to win in 2016. I, I'm confident of that. Uh, the fact is, is at the state level, at that farm team level, they're really getting wiped out in a lot of cases yep. by the Republicans, which really is going to hurt their ability, a lot of people would say to, you know, to develop this talent at the, at the higher levels over time. And I think there may be something, there may be something to that, though. Uh, now, the other part of the question I wanted to uh, mention, at it's related to that, is that idea of, uh, you know, Republicans, academic consensus of Republicans moving to the right. And certainly there is that consensus. And I would say, to me, on most, on a lot of issues, there's no question that the entire playing field has shifted to the right Democrats and Republicans, at least on economic issues. You look at somebody like a, uh, a Richard Nixon. Or even a Ronald Reagan, who on a lot of economic issues, you plop him down in today's Republican Party, and he would be seen as a, a screaming commie type person. Certainly Nixon would be, you know, no, and but, so.
0: I, I, yeah, OK, I give you that on Nixon. Uh, I, I, would, I wouldn't say that about Reagan. But no, but uh, no, I, I agree. There's something there's something to that. We sort of, um, you know, I think the Clinton administration uh, sort of, um, I guess, ratified. You know, a lot of the the Reagan economic approach.
1: Um, Definitely. The Clinton administration you know, much, much was as, not as Much
0: as the Eisenhower administration ratified the New Deal. Oh, nice nice you know, analogy. They didn't attempt to repeal it, didn't attempt to really change it and sort of accepted that that's where the ball, oh, ball that lied. Is, that yeah.
1: is a great analogy. I might have to steal that one for one of my classes. I don't know. But yeah, I think that's exactly right. It's the idea that Bill Clinton was some screaming liberal – clearly is not supported by what happened during his time in office, you know, and and just like people who think that Hillary Clinton would be some screaming liberal. I, I don't see that at all. She's she's a very much a moderate Democrat, just as her husband was. And, and so and so really, it's, it's just an example
0: it's of so criminal, but yes, but
1: <laughs> just an example of everything. Well, not everything moving to the right, I would say on social issues. We we've moved to the left. Uh, gay gay marriage would be the greatest example of that, certainly. But overall on economic issues, the entire playing field has shifted noticeably to the right. And that's I guess if you're if you're a conservative, that's a that's a major victory for you. If you're a liberal, obviously that's a big bummer, certainly. You know, so.
0: Well, and especially if you're sort of a, a Bernie Sanders occupy Wall Street uh uh type.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think
0: again you you don't you know, part of that, the, the frustration that those folks feel is, is that uh, um, they don't particularly have a home in in the mainstream Democrat Party. Uh, we you know, for example, I've, I even said Obama was right and Clinton was right on, on uh, free trade. Right. Uh, for example. Now, there, again, there's, there's certainly elements of the Democratic Party, particularly big labor uh, that still opposes that. Uh, but by and large, when it comes down to a vote.
1: Yeah. Uh, We're pretty it, much it yeah. You can, you can and, put uh, together uh, a yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, another thing I think that's related to to this polarization is uh, technology and modern media. Certainly has Amen. played a big yes. role. So, you know, and that's something that's something that I that I talk about a lot in in my class. It's the point I hammer home a lot. And it's
0: also addressed in your book.
1: Um, Navigating uh, the news available at Amazon.com and find yeah. online booksellers everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for that plug. That I jumped yeah. right on. But but yeah, I think <laughs> that's that's a huge factor in that. You know, back in the day, we didn't really have the choice of this kind of niche news where we could go. There wasn't a there wasn't a Fox News. There wasn't a Drudge Report. There wasn't a Huffington Post. And so right.
0: you, could, you could still you know subscribe to National Review or the New Republic yeah. that, that would show up uh, once right. a month or every two. But weeks. But that was a pretty but...
1: small audience. And so, yeah. f- mostly, that the news was pretty much what people would call that kind of mushy middle sort of stuff, appealing to a broad audience. And I think it was much more of a force for consensus than kind of than for polarization. But now you see people in what 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 are called filter bubbles, as they're only getting news from conservatives by conservatives or news from liberals by liberals. You know, uh, reinforcing their own views of how the world works and that the other side is not just wrong but evil. And to me, that's one of the most pernicious things about modern media. And we see it all the time. We don't do it because we're better than that, but uh, you and I, at least we try. No, we, we try, yeah. but you know, you uh, we, don't, we don't we don't we rarely argue that the people with different views from us are trying to destroy America and are evil people who don't care about America, who aren't good Americans or any ridiculous junk like that and but you see so much of that in 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 the popular media and to me that just drives me absolutely insane.
0: Yeah. You no, know? it it's the the buzzfeedification sort yeah. of sort of thing and and again the most uh you know the um Yeah, I mean <laughs> the, I, I, the, know, the craziest uh, uh you know top 10 reasons why Hillary Clinton is a a uh evil alien um yeah. Uh, number six will blow your mind. Um, yeah. I mean, that's sort
1: but, of. that's Yeah, exactly. But I see know. it all the time saying that, you know, President Obama is just a, it's just hates America. And I just, that's I right. just think, are you kidding? You know, what, what are you smoking? What planet are you on? But then again, if you're well, fed said he died of... I've
0: gone on, I've gone on record and I, I think I'm still, still correct on this, that I don't say he hates America, but I, I don't think he likes America, but that's, that's uh, a different uh, issue. Uh,
1: well, okay, okay. <laughs> I, see, I think, I think even that is, I, I believe, I believe in my heart that Ted Cruz cares deeply about America, as does Barack Obama, as does Bernie Sanders. But they just have very different ways of seeing what the best path to making America as good as it possibly can be are. And I think they're, you know, for the most part,
0: I'd agree with you. I'd agree with you there. And also those paths are to some extent always tempered by uh, the personal ambition of of each of those people. There are exceptions. Um, I think
1: Donald Trump cares about Donald Trump. And if what's good for America is good for Donald Trump, well, then that's fine. But uh, I think even in his own deluded, narcissistic way, Donald Trump probably actually, in his heart, somehow believes
0: that look, he wants the absolute best for America, and in his mind, well, he's the absolute best. So, so there's really no reason why he's a
1: delusional narcissist. But that doesn't mean his heart isn't in the right place. He's still a patriot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. All right. I, I think that does that does that address, do you think, uh, all the elements of Emily's question there? Probably. Yeah,
0: I, I, I hope so. But I think um, maybe
1: one takeaway from this more than anything else, and you mentioned it straight off, is that while the media understandably focuses on the differences, there really are a lot of fundamental things where, you know, we do share common beliefs. And that's that's an important thing to keep in mind.
0: Right. And, and it's not just the media. I, I, it's also I mean, look, the parties. Because there's really no incentive to, you know, to run a political ad saying that I agree with my opponents on most issues. Yeah. I mean it, it just doesn't be a pretty bad political <laughs> <It> ad. <yeah. laughs> We're pretty much the donors. same,
1: really. It's not going to make a big difference who wins. But I think I'm slightly better on these issues. Yeah, that's. Yeah. That would be kind of a cool thing to do. I don't know, but yeah, I can't see that. Well, no, I, too I well. would
0: say I, I'd point you to the the Bob Dole campaign of, of
1: 1996. Was oh of like, God, yeah, that was. I sad. mean, it was it was
0: very much a a thing of. Uh, uh, you know, a vote for me will, uh, uh you know, incrementally increase, increase growth <laughs> by, by, you know, by 0.2%. Right. right. You know, yeah, exactly.
1: It so. So. doesn't exactly get people to man the barricades there. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. So no, without a doubt. So, all right then. Well, uh, That's it for this episode of Ask the Politics Guys. Thanks very much for listening. If you have any questions for future episodes or just any thoughts, comments, or criticisms, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is politicsguys at gmail.com. That's politicsguys, one word, at gmail.com. Our Facebook page, where Jay and I post and comment on news articles throughout the week, and where you can comment, too, is facebook.com slash page.
0: And we would love to hear your comments. Yes, uh, definitely. We've really gotten they're, some. They're, they're often very insightful, and we want to know what other what uh, our listeners are, are thinking. And um, particularly, we pick on we pick on Trump a lot. We do. I, I would like to hear from Trump supporters. Shooting fish in a barrel. There who was a Trump supporter, and I, I was really appreciative of that. Um, and and I want to encourage that sort
1: of thing. Yeah, and and again, you know, we do pick on Donald Trump a lot. He, he's a he's a billionaire, he should be able to handle it. Though he seems kind of thin-skinned, but in any case, if you are a Trump supporter, you know, we're or we, if you are Trump, yeah, you could also Yeah, pick. exactly, Donald, you know, if if you're listening, uh but yeah, we we certainly don't think that if you're a Trump supporter, you're not you're not a patriotic American who cares deeply about the country and we would love to hear your comments as well so please do comment um anyway whoever you are please comment uh check it out and maybe give us a like if if you like it uh and if you're listening to us on itunes or stitcher again uh reviews are really important and so we would really appreciate it if you could take a minute to rate the show and write a quick review and we'll be back with a new episode of ask the politics guys next wednesday we hope you'll join us